Today we have a special guest. His name is Travis Walton. Travis Walton was abducted in November 5th, 1975. Uh, there was a movie created about his experience called Fire in the Sky. Hi, Travis. How are you? Hi. Welcome to nice the show. Nice to be with you. Thank you. So can you tell us about your experience back in 1975? Well, you know, it started out as a normal uh, work day. It was a Wednesday, middle of the work week. We were putting in some long days to get the contract finished, uh, you know, because winter weather was ahead, and uh, we wanted to get it done before winter got there. So, what, what, part uh, of, uh, what part of the country was this in? This is up in the Mogollon Rim area. Uh, it's a high forested area. It's uh, part of the largest ponderosa in the world, and uh, uh, the contract is right up there above 7,000 feet, and, uh, you know. Uh, is that just, close to uh, uh, Williams, Arizona? Um, not really. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we, uh, it's so high that we could see uh, the San Francisco peaks that are clear over there by Flagstaff. Oh, wow. You know, that's probably 150 miles away. But... Um, the uh, the uh, high altitude there is um, uh, plays a role in the story later as we uh, go go on um, because um, that air, uh, that area has the second highest frequency of lightning strikes of any place in the entire continental United States. Okay. So anyway, um, long day that we uh, worked and we worked up till dark. Uh, we loaded up our equipment. We're headed home, and um, everybody just, you know, um, all seven of us in one vehicle, you know, a lot of conversations going on. Um, in the movie, it looks like everybody's uh, drowsy, like we'd been driving for some time. But uh, we had just recently been working. Everybody was wide awake, you know, sweating and still breathing hard from work. And and uh, we noticed this glow uh, in the trees up ahead. And um, it was a remote area. We didn't expect to see anything. And uh, we'd, uh, we'd heard some shooting in the distance during the day. Okay. Um, deer, it was deer hunting season. Um, so the light was coming from higher than where ground level would be. You know, the, the tree density was so thick you, you couldn't actually see the source right. of the light. But uh, um, just judging from the slope of the, of the ridge top there that... Uh, it seemed to be coming from higher up. Now, the the movie was named Fire in the Sky because of this frequency of lightning strikes. I mean, we had actually on occasion uh, come to work and seen a tree that had been hit by lightning and was on fire up, up, right. up, up above ground level. And so uh, that was one of the first ideas that came to mind. Uh, but, you know, we hadn't had any uh, stormy weather. So there, it was a clear there, night. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wasn't a, wasn't a sunset. Uh, sun had set some time earlier. Uh, we could see the moon off in a different direction. So um, it wasn't real alarming right at first. Like, oh my God, what's that? You know, it's just kind of an idle curiosity at first. And right. So you guys were driving yeah. down a, a road, right? Kind of like a, a trail. Yeah, just just log just right. logging trail. A logging really trail. Rough. Right, yeah. and, then, and then so you and your coworkers heard a sound outside. Right. 
And uh, there it was. Uh, once once we broke into the clearing where you know the source of this light was, it was it was unmistakable. Uh, what did you see exactly a, when you? What what you? I think you were the only one that actually came out of your truck and asked your coworkers yeah. to stop, and you, and you were the only one who actually went out there into the woods to look, get a, a closer yeah. look at this, right? And what drove you to do that? Well, I just assumed it was going to take off, you know? Right. Uh, did you hear, often, what did you well, hear exactly? It was a, a really strange mixture of sounds. Some of it was uh, a real high-pitched, high-frequency sound. Some of it was a real low, throbbing sort of a sound. It's really, you know... Uh, bordering on the range of human hearing on the low end and the high end. Okay. So the closer I got to it, the more anxious the, the rest of the crew got, you know, yelling at me to get back in their truck. Were you able to see the uh, surface of this object, or were you only able to see the light? Was the light so powerful? Yes, yeah, I could, I could see the surface. Oh, you could. Um, if you, you know, if you've ever, you know... Um, uh, watched television with the window open, you, yeah. you can see the light coming from the TV, right. and you can see the reflection of the window at the I same see. time. Right, correct. And so, you know, I I could see the surface of this thing, and it was really shiny and uh, glowing softly at the same time. And it just kind of uh, lit up the whole area with a real weird sort of a soft glow. And uh, when I got closer to it, I was looking up at about a 45, and uh, about that time, you know, the guys were, you know, pretty... Pretty uh, pretty anxious. Um, yeah, pretty anxious. You know, in the movie where they're swearing at me to get back in the truck. And, you know, it was really the way it was, you know. And uh, But at that point, it suddenly got louder and started to move. And uh, that just startled me. And so, so do you, than, do you think the craft was aware of you? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think that maybe uh, it was attempting to uh, put a little distance between me and it in order to prevent this this energy discharge that that did occur. Right. So when I stood up, my my head closed the distance. Um, that was the closest m my body reached to the undersurface of this craft and that's when this blast of energy come out of there and it just threw me back um, the crew said it threw me 15 or 20 feet that it was that I hit the ground like a rag doll wow. uh, John said it was like a, my body was like a sack of meat wow. and they immediately concluded that it had killed me it was that violent so you know I thought the criticism they got about taken off at that well, point. Well, they just was, left you, right? Yeah, it was, it was unfair, you know, because uh, it, it would have made no sense for uh, Mike to get anybody else killed and right. save a dead man. Right. So he was kind of trying to save, uh, trying to protect the rest of his crew by going to get yeah. help and just kind of like, he assumed you were dead, essentially. Well, you know, it was sort of a panic move. Right. I, I, I don't fault him for that. But they said after uh, trying to uh, catch up to some deer hunters, they spotted out on the main road uh, unsuccessfully. They uh, decided to, that they were going to go back. Now, in the movie, when Mike said, 
this truck is going back, and anybody who doesn't want to go can uh, can wait for us here. Yeah. Um, nobody volunteered to get out and wait in the dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they, they all, they all opted to stay in the truck and go back together. So, right. um, rather than the way the movie represented it as Mike going back by himself, uh, they all went back and, uh, they did see the craft leaving. And so they did I, I see think that. that that wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that gave him extra confidence in, in returning. Actually, um, Kenny said his greatest fear once they saw the craft leaving was what my body was going to look like. Was I going to be a, a charred, right. horf, horrifying mass, you know? And uh, also in the movie, it gave the impression it was... Uh, uh, there was some uh, dispute or difficulty in finding the exact spot, but that wasn't the case because when when Mike took off, he uh, revved the motor up, popped the clutch, and spun out, and actually, you know, dug some ruts in the in the road right at that uh, point. So right. uh, Mike said he found my footprints uh, going up into the clearing, and uh, they went to where my body had fallen, and, and uh, found there. nothing. Yeah. So they had one flashlight between them. So they all huddled around that, they said, and called and, and did a search. And when they were unable to uh, find uh, that I had crawled off in, into the bush, uh, they uh, decided to go back to town and, and get help. Right. Uh, some, of the, some of the crew didn't want to report it to law enforcement at that point, but uh, they finally decided they would. And uh, called it in. A local deputy came down, and uh, he he was he could tell that you know something really terrible had happened. And, right. Well, know, d- didn't the uh, deputy kind of uh, suspect that you guys were involved with something? Uh, like, well, they were involved with maybe doing something to you, uh, kind of. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, when they said our, our, one of our crew is missing, uh, he might be dead. You know, right. naturally being a, a law enforcement guy, his ears perk up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, <laughs> it's much more likely that this is some kind of a cover story. Like foul play. Uh, yeah, for foul play. And so that was the suspicion uh, right off. And uh, the, the sheriff and his second in command came down. And unlike in the movie, they actually did go uh, back out to the site that night. Oh, they uh, did. Yeah. So they went to the same spot where they found the, uh, the, uh, where they spun out with the truck. Right. Okay. And, and so, you know, the, the, the under sheriff was, you know, supposed to be a, an expert tracker. So, uh, they weren't able to find any, um, footprints other than just, you know, from the truck to the middle of the clearing. Right. And then they got uh, a much uh, bigger search going with the uh, the local search and rescue team and people on horseback and people in four-wheel drives and uh, um, four-wheelers, three-wheelers, and uh, helicopters and airplanes and, yeah, people on horseback. And well, that, that's significant, too, because, you know, they said that some of the horses were behaving strangely. But I don't know if it had as much to do with uh, uh, UFOs or, or maybe the wild horses in the area. Right. So, 
right when you got zapped with whatever this thing was, were you instantly transported into the vehicle or was it kind of like a gradual waking up? How, how did that exactly happen? No, well, I was um, uh, unconscious when I was taken aboard. Okay. Uh, so I woke up on board. You woke up on board. And, and it was a, a brief conscious period. Um, it was pretty traumatic. Um, the, I was missing for five days and six hours, and uh, I have no idea whether I woke up soon after I was taken aboard or almost uh, immediately before I was dropped off. Um, whatever. I, I, um, it, it took me years to, to think of the reason I was ever taken aboard in the first place. Right. And uh, so these beings, what color were their skin? What they look like exactly? Well, people call them grays, but I... I, I I, it looked to me more like a chalky uh, white, a grayish white, but they were um, real pale. It was later suggested to me that that the, maybe the stare had something to do with them trying to uh, gain control, uh, some sort of mind control thing. Right. A medical doctor at one of my talks said, well, the largest opening in the front of the skull is the eye socket, so if they were projecting oh, um, mental uh, power of some kind, that maybe it would come in that pattern. But another another uh, theory I have is that, you know, they're um, very often uh, described as being emotionless or robotic right. and, and, and lacking emotion. And people go so far as to, you know, claim that they're... Um, they find us curious, uh, humans, because we have emotion, right. and they don't, and they've uh, lost that or something. But I, I really don't think so. I think um, that once uh, a species reaches the point of being telepathic, that facial expression becomes uh, superfluous. It's, it's, right. um, it's, it's no longer needed. So, right. so they they don't need to frown or smile or anything like that because point. what they express to each other through through um, mental say, right. is much more detailed, much richer than any sort of facial expression could be. So uh, I'd say on the contrary that they're probably uh, more emotional than we are rather than less. And were these uh, grays, were, were these suits or was it their skin? Because in the movie it, it kind of gave the impression that it was like suits. Well, uh, it was their skin that was the grayish white, but they okay. were wearing a, a cloth-looking coverall. Okay. Uh, what are what are details of the of the what you actually experienced that were left out of the movie that you think were interesting? Well, there was quite a few things that. Uh, That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that was uh, added was the fact that I was found uh, naked when my family recovered me from the phone booth. Right. I was uh, still wearing the same clothes. Okay. But um, one thing that was I thought uh, really interesting was um, the change in the uh, uh, trees nearest where the craft had come down. Uh, um, a, a, a cross section of these trees showed that that there had been a, a huge jump in the uh, uh, speed that they had uh, been growing at. 
you know, counting back 15 rings to the time the incident happened, uh, the tree had doubled in size. It had been an 85 degree, uh, 85 year old tree, and then in 15 years, uh, it went from um, three and a half inches to seven inches. You know, it right. doubled in diameter. So, um, one of the researchers that was supervising that, that uh, uh, visit to the site uh, d- did find that the uh, pine trees, uh, the Scots pine uh, species in the vicinity of the Chernobyl nuclear accident, had experienced the same kind of uh, rapid increase in growth. Huh. And that's, you know, that's counterintuitive. You would expect uh, high radiation to just kill living things, you know, plants too. Right. But, I, I also yeah. read that in the area where Chernobyl is, there's been an explosion of uh, their wolf population. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it seems like nu- nuclear exposure seems to kind of like help in some way <laughs> to, to, for life to grow in a, in a strange way, which does sound kind well, of... Well, you know, there was, a, there was some online papers detailing the biology of the plant cells and why they, uh, you know, grow faster or whatever. But um, I, I don't have a copy of that paper, but I, I ought to look into it. Um, but, but there were radiation um, readings taken during the search, that were double background radiation, okay. and uh, and for those, and for the uh, and for our audience that doesn't know what that means, what does that mean exactly? Well, normally, you know, there's a certain amount of radiation everywhere, you know, and it was like uh, one and a half in the area. Okay, and the and the Geiger counter showed that a radium dial watch was like three, which was double background radiation. But the men's hard hats that they were wearing during the incident had double that of the radium dial watch, which was four times background radiation. And that's an indication of what? That there was something in the area with high amounts of something radiation? Something that had uh, elevated the radiation area at that time, but that, that uh, high reading did not persist. Later, later checking did not uh, it went back to normal. show high ra- uh, radiation. Right. Although... Um, the crewman that was sitting in the seat next to me in the front, um, when I got out, I left the door open and he, he's now developed skin cancer on his right forearm, which was exposed at that point. So that's to me, another suggestion that perhaps, um, there'd been some high levels of radiation right there. Okay. Um, um, why that would be, I don't know, and whether that's a standard uh, thing you find close to one of these craft, I don't know. Probably only took me aboard because they were the only ones in a position to rescue me at that point. Right. Um, I'd just been hit by a blast of energy. Right. And uh, perhaps an accident. It might have been. Uh, it could have actually even been a secondary discharge. Right. If the EMF, uh, if the uh, magnetic field that this craft was emanating somehow triggered a discharge from the sky, right. uh, uh, me being the next closest thing between there and the ground, it could have just been sort of an accident where it, uh, there was a blast that hit them from the other side and it jumped uh, to ground through me. 
Right, and if, and, uh, if it was, and if it was an accident and they felt the need to rescue you, yeah, that, that must mean that they must, uh, they must feel guilt and they must be more human than what we think they are. Well, we can interpret it that way, but it certainly isn't um, harmful or uh, negative in that right. sense. Right. Um, and, you know, I was I had a lot of misgivings for years and wondering, you know, whether there were going to be some bad health effects or crop up as a result of it. Right. But, did, uh, you, did you worry about health effects after your encounter? Well, I had a, a whole battery of uh, medical tests and psychiatric tests and whatnot in the aftermath. And uh, to settle a lot of issues, one accusation uh, being that um, it was all a drug hallucination. So, you know, I had blood and urine samples put through the uh, county medical examiner's drug screen, you know, which is a, a law enforcement entity, and it's a very specific test, and they uh, found no trace of any drug in my body. And to me, I think it's absurd that people would uh, resort to that kind of an explanation because right. uh, seven men are not going to experience identical hallucinations. Right. Uh, but one of the tests that was run on me was... Um, um, a brain scan, a brainwave scan. And what'd that show? Um, it showed an unusual pattern, um, an alternating uh, pattern that later uh, was found to not still be there. It was only in the immediate aftermath of the accident. And I'm thinking that perhaps that blast of energy had scrambled the neural circuits in a way where the standard mind control stuff wasn't going to work. Right, right. And, um, at, you know, over these years, have you, have you had additional experiences like this, or was it like a one-time thing? Well, you know, back in those days, uh, uh, the fact, uh, you know, the, the suggestion that my family had seen uh, something in the years prior was was considered to weigh against the authenticity or the uh, credibility of the incident uh, just because they thought this should should be so rare that if you have more than one in a lifetime, uh, you know, even the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization come up with the idea that if you had more than one sighting that you were what was known as a repeater and therefore were less credible. But I, I highly disagree. I think... Um, that these beings are perfectly capable of keeping track of people over their lifespan, uh, lifespan, and uh, that you know if you saw one when you were eight years old and, and another when you were forty, that they know it's you, and that's uh, not so extraordinary when you consider that our own government has this thing called the Utah Data Center, which is basically recording every electronic communication on the face of the earth. Uh, I mean, they literally have millions of gallons of water tanks just to cool those computers. Uh, but, you know, if our comparative uh, primitive technology can keep track of that much data, I'm sure that these uh, beings, you know, whether it's by DNA or brainwaves or whatever, they, they identify us as individuals. And that's uh, I've come a long way uh, to, to that conclusion because I used to agree with the idea that, you know, It'd be like a human being walking past an anthill and saying, oh, I want to have a conversation with that ant right there, you know, right. that they would be no respecter of persons at all, that we would just be insignificant to them. 
I think on the contrary that uh, uh, they they um, identify us as individuals. Yeah, and uh, are you aware of a, a few years ago, uh, the Navy released um, footage of what was what is considered to be an unidentified flying object that was yeah. detected yeah. over in San Diego. Yeah, and uh, the, the, it was uh, a couple of. Uh, um, fighter uh, planes, that, uh, you know, gun camera footage. And, right. and I, I think that was good that they uh, shared that with the public. I, I think uh, they've uh, decided to be a little more open about uh, acknowledging this and other recent things in the news uh, um, are trying to, you know, take a more sober approach to uh, uh, having... Uh, uh, a reporting system for military personnel to to um, get these um, incidents uh, recorded. And uh, to me, um, the theory that uh, our government is in in league with the aliens uh, in some kind of conspiracy to take over the earth, I think is absurd. I think our government is on our side, and okay. the amount of secrecy that they have is warranted. Right. Um, okay. Good. So you you don't you're not one of those people who think, hey, you know, the government's hiding something from us. We should know. You're kind of more like, hey, you know, the government has our back. Yeah. They, should... People say, throw open the books. Throw open the books. Well, right. yeah. If you throw open the books, um, you know, we have enemies on this planet that would right. love to know what we know, and I think that they're perfectly uh, justified in keeping that stuff private. And it's, uh, you know, to our to our um, um, uh, to our benefit that they take that approach. And what do you think about MUFON? Do you think MUFON is a credible uh, UFO information gathering kind of uh, organization, or do you think it's kind of like, uh, it's not It's not like really uh, what some people say it's legitimate? Well, some people think they've been infiltrated, and that there are certain factions that um, they uh, of, but um, I, I try to uh, um give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't put things down just because I don't accept them. Right. But see, non-acceptance is not the same thing as, as believing that it's false. Exactly. It's like the difference between the court verdict of uh, innocent and not guilty. Right. That's entirely two different things. A not guilty verdict means that the government failed to prove that you did it. Right. Innocent means they they found who else somebody else did it, or they found you couldn't have done it because you were in another state or something like that. Right. You know, a finding of innocent is not the same thing as a finding of of um, not guilty. So. Um, and and do um, and after your experience, um, if you were to be if you were to have another encounter, would you gladly go up into a spaceship or would you uh, respectfully decline? for that experience? Well, I did have another uh, close sighting oh, you did. Uh, in 2014. 2014. And I was surprised that although I had uh, really come a long way in my understanding of the phenomena, I was surprised that when my son said, well, should we stop and take a picture, Dad? I go, no, no, keep going. And, <laughs> you know, I'm wishing that we had pulled over and taken a picture. I, I just, you know, kicked myself for not doing that. But and what, what, made, you, I, I what made you not do that? Just a fear that I was left over from the past. You know, right. I, there really wasn't a good reason to be that scared. I mean, did but, you have uh, a PTSD? 
yeah, I think that's what it was. Okay. Um, if I had it to do over again, I'd say, yes, let's take a picture. <laughs> but I wouldn't have reported it except that uh, there were uh, 15 other uh, independent reports oh. made at that same time. Um, there was a website that had a setup kind of like Google Maps, a circle with a number, oh, and there was a whole cluster of reports. Right. Uh, I think MUFON does that well too. Yeah. So in the in the uh, in the uh, when you were abducted, uh, there was a part to uh, in the book where you described uh, kind of like a star map. You kind of like walked into this area where it was a control. Well, panel. it was a star pattern, and um, whether that was just a kind of a general orienting um, picture of the. Um, area outside the craft okay. um, or whether they actually navigate by that I, I don't know what what did the uh, control uh, center look like what color were the walls or what can you just describe well the, there were uh, buttons and a screen and things of that, of that nature there were lines on the screen with um, little segments but uh, no symbols like a number or letter or anything that okay. I would uh, recognize okay and uh, then, then you were carted off to this uh, kind of like a hangar, right? Yeah. And what, like, what was that like? It was uh, much uh, uh, cooler and uh, e- easier uh, atmosphere to breathe. And so, um, do you think you were back in Earth at that point? Maybe you were like at a secret location. Um, could have been. Um, I don't know whether it was a. Uh, a building or part of a larger craft. It, it could have been either one because it looked kind of like um, sunlight shining through, oh. but it was uh, like a trans translucent surface, so I couldn't actually see through it. So it could have been an artificial sunlight or a, or just uh, sunlight shining on the surface of the roof. So when you were on the ship, you, so you weren't able to breathe, right? Was it kind of like stuffy? Was it humid? Yeah, it was. Uh, it gave me a feeling of of panic because I just couldn't get enough air, and I think you know the stare, the fear that that caused me was combined with the dim light and the the feeling of suffocation, just added to the panic. So did these beings uh, perform any operations, any investigatory procedures on your body? Well, there was a, uh, an array of instruments laid out there that I had, uh, at first, uh, grave misgivings about what might have been done with those things. But um, uh, whatever whatever it was, uh, I, whatever they might have done, was while I was unconscious. And uh, do you still talk to any of the crew members who were with you? Oh, yeah. Night? Yeah. You know, we we experienced something, you know, at the time, we weren't really a bunch of buddies, you know. They were acting like we were, uh, you know, the kind that would get together and uh, conspire to make up a story and something like that. But, you know, actually, it was kind of uh, of the contrary, Uh, you know. One of the the guys in the crew was, uh, you know, afraid to... uh, at first, uh, take his lie detector test because they were the line of questioning. Would you would would you uh, want to cause Travis any harm? Right. Have you ever wanted to have him under 
um, harm him. Well, well, he and I had gotten into uh, a fight a few uh, days before that. So the answer would um, be yes. <laughs> yeah, so he he thought he was going to get hung for murder at that right. point because oh, there was no body. So um, he later, uh, you know, passed his test with flying colors and uh, right. no problem with the same examiner. And, uh, right. And so you guys do still hang out. And talk to each other, um, or, or what, what? It seems like you've been you've been the only one who's kind of gone out and been more public. Well, I, your... I, you know, I had all those guys uh, at one point or another uh, uh, appear with me in public. Um, lost track of um, Dwayne Smith for a, a, a number of years. Finally uh, located him and talked to him on the phone. Actually, did a, a phone interview, and he he agreed that you know. He would come and uh, speak with me. Um, he said he wanted to get his teeth fixed first, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, he passed away before we oh. ever got together. When did he pass uh, away? That was the following. That was uh, that was like six years ago, seven mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, it was that's unfortunate. Thanksgiving night, uh, but. Uh, him and Alan Dallas are the are the two that are no longer with us. Oh, okay. but the others, um, John and Steve, they're they're uh, long haul truck drivers, and uh, um, they uh, you know stay in touch now and then. You know, okay. Um, I've had them uh, come out and speak with me or do uh, certain television programs with me. But um, and do you believe that? We went to the moon. I see no reason why uh, they would need to have an elaborate hoax to say okay. that we did, but we didn't. Just making you sure. Know? I just uh, want to know what uh, what. Travis there's lots thinks. of conspiracy theories out there, and right. I, I'm not really into uh, uh, into that stuff. Buying into that kind of stuff. Okay. And uh, do you believe that ghosts? are similar to what aliens are? Or do you think aliens are actually other beings from another planet? Or do you think they kind of travel through, like, our reality, through, like, a dimension? Well, it's possible that they've, um, by their means of transportation, is related to some sort of interdimensional thing. But um, I I don't, uh, you know... The, the, when when Steve passed his lie detector test, he, he went to his mom and he said, I told you we didn't murder him. And I thought it was kind of sad that, you know, she would rather believe that it, uh, that... That you guys were, that they killed you. Yeah. And then, and then because of a lie detector test, she, she was of the theory that, uh, okay, you saw something, but it was demons. Oh, and I see. so, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, to me, you know, uh, Demons are more supernatural than aliens. Right. I mean, the universe is a very big place, and we know for a fact that there are literally billions of galaxies out there. Right. And uh, billions of stars and billions of planets. And for people to say, well, this is the only one. You know, I've actually asked people, so you, you think, look at those stars at night, and... This is the only one that uh, has life. Uh, to me, that is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> bizarre. That's extraordinary to think. Uh, well, we're that special, huh? You know. 
that life could only form here. Right, right. Well, you know, like Steve's mom, you know, well, it's not in the Bible, so it, it doesn't exist. Right. Uh, I make the point that, you know, the Bible doesn't mention Antarctica or Native Americans, but uh, we know those things exist. That's a good point. So, um, you know, it's just, you know, the Bible is a very specific message to a specific group of people in a specific time and place. And, it, you know, it's not going to mention cell phones or right. other things that don't uh, aren't relevant to the story at so, hand. So I want to ask you this question. Were you ever approached by any government agency about your encounter? No, but I, I do think that they had interest and were studying this, um, the case and researching it. And uh, okay. um, uh, I would consider them remiss if they hadn't. <laughs> right. And if they did uh, approach you, would you tell me? Um, well, if I was sworn to secrecy, I would uh, maintain that. Uh, right, right. So that would be no. Well, there was a a, um, a group of people. <laughs> Mike Rogers, the crew boss, uh, had his neighbors come over and say, um, "Well, you know, right after it happened, the the government rented out our upstairs and watched you guys. Uh, you know, had him under observation, and so." Uh, they told him not to tell anybody, but he started blabbing about it. So they came over to him and said, uh, we never said that. <laughs> so, you know, they, they had to switch. So to, what, uh, what agency was that? It, it was uh, some federal agency. They didn't say which it was, but uh, they uh, definitely, you know, were up there <laughs> occupying the upstairs floor. And, um, and do you think these beings are, for the most part, evil or good or neutral i'd say benign uh, you know the idea that the, if, if there was some sinister plot they've been here for literally hundreds and thousands of years right and if they wanted the planet it'd already be theirs we'd right. never know what hit us and the idea that they're sneaking around for, to lower the boom someday is just absurd right. you know <laughs> no they're not bad okay good do you think in the future the governments around the world would be more forthcoming with the information they collect about uh, these flying objects? Well, definitely it, it, other governments are aware of these things. You know, I'll be speaking in Argentina uh, next weekend, and uh, they have those um, Air Force pilots uh, that had their major incidents, and they'll be speaking at the same event. Uh, so, you know, I've... I've had communication with pilots from other places in the world, and it's not something that happens only here. Right, it happens all over the world. And yeah. And uh, do you believe that? Because I've seen documentaries where uh, they show vehicles that the Nazis have engineered that look very similar to UFOs. Do you think they were in touch with these aliens from another planet, or they somehow were trying to mimic that kind of technology? What do you think about that? Well, that's a, a fascinating area. I guess it could be some sort of a, a mimicking. Uh, I, I don't think they had the whole technology, or they, we wouldn't have won the war. Right. right. They lost because they uh, didn't have that uh, advanced of a technology. Right. Well, what they say is that they were they were starting. It was kind of like in its embryonic stage of of creating these uh, kind of levitating vehicles. 
and I'm sure our government has a, a, a lot of stuff they're not sharing with the general public. Right. But um, if there was some zero-point energy that was possible, you know, the idea that the government should just dump that on the world economies uh, <laughs> would be kind of irresponsible. Well, it I would think be irresponsible. It would, cause, it would cause worldwide revolutions and people would die. I, absolutely. I think a worldwide economic collapse is, is not in our best interest. You're absolutely right about that. Do you believe that these UFOs come from the water? Anything that's capable of... Um, uh, flying in the you know vacuum of space and uh, you know is probably just as capable of flying underwater. Right. And that'd be a great camouflage, wouldn't it? It would be the best. The night I was returned, um, uh, at that very moment I was calling my family was the night of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh. And um, every one of those people on board that ship disappeared. Nobody was ever recovered. And there were reports that there were uh, uh, UFOs sighted in connection with that uh, storm that that uh, ship experienced that night. So I thought that was kind of an interesting coincidence historically that uh, uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald happened that night. That is a very strange coincidence. Um, have you gone back to the same area in the last five years that this all took place? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, do you have the uh, that, some, Do you have the coordinates for the place, or how do you know? Uh, well, I, I just know the place uh, by by heart. Yeah, and uh, I probably should get the coordinates, but uh, I I've been asked for them, and I've never provided them to anybody. <laughs> so, would would you provide them to the show today the coordinates for no, the encounter? No, no, I wouldn't. Does it look the same today as it did back then? Is it mostly trees? No, no. There was a forest fire that came through there. Oh, um, killed a whole lot of the trees. It did allow us to expand our research into that rapid tree growth uh, to discover that the effect was directional. That the side of the tree towards where the craft was was where the greatest increase in growth rate was. Um, before that, uh, the only sample that had been taken was a core sample that just coincidentally happened to be on the side of the tree towards where the craft had been. And we uh, assumed back then that, the, that it was uniform, that the entire tree ring was enlarged. But it turns out that they... They were thicker on the side of the tree towards the uh, radiation source. For additional information, um, I have written a book. Uh, goes into quite a bit of detail. Uh, it's uh, double the uh, number of pages that it was when it first came out. And um, there's also a documentary uh, called Travis. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't name something after myself, but uh, it's um, an hour and a half uh, documentary that. Uh, pretty extensive, pretty intensive, gets into some details that uh, no one else has covered. The DVD and the and the book are available through my website at TravisWalton.com. Okay, well, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Travis. Thank you. 